Hello there, PRSSA members, PR practitioners, or any communicators interested in some good old-fashioned professional and career development. My name is Ashley Catherine, and I'm the 2019-2020 PRSSA National Immediate Past President and fellow UF Gator. Welcome to PR with the Pros, a podcast brought to you by, you guessed it, the Public Relations Student Society of America. There's so much happening this month, so we're really excited for this episode. If you didn't know, March is PRSSA Nationals Professional Development Month, and on top of that, it's Women's History Month. So today we're going to celebrate both by chatting with Tina McCorkendale, president of the Institute for Public Relations. We're going to dive deep into emerging themes from IPR's signature study, Mind the Gap, Women's Leadership in Public Relations, and how these themes translate to professional career opportunities for aspiring leaders just like you. So grab a cup of coffee, something to take notes with, and enjoy the show. Hey there, it's me again. Before we get started, I just wanted to give a shout out to our incredible partners on this episode, the Institute for Public Relations. IPR is a nonprofit foundation dedicated to fostering greater use of research and research-based knowledge in public relations and corporate communication practice. You can find them at instituteforpr.org. No spaces, that's again, instituteforpr.org. Make sure to sign up for their research letter newsletter. It's free, and they've got tons of cool stuff on what's emerging and happening in the world of public relations. Now back to the episode with Tina McCorkendale. Hi, Tina. Welcome to Podcast with the Pros. We're so excited to have you today. Thank you so much again. We can't wait to learn about all the great research IPR is doing. Thanks for having me, Ashley. I'm excited. To kick us off today, could you talk about your background in public relations and what IPR is and how it impacts students? Sure. So uh, I have been CEO for almost five years at uh, the Institute for Public Relations. We've been around since 1956. And the best way I can describe ourselves is that we are a research think tank. So we do research that matters to the profession. And this was our charge. This has been our remit uh, since we started. And uh, we do that a couple ways. Uh, One way is that we do research that our trustees deem or topics that our trustees deem uh, are important. We also put together research and assemble research and convene research and make sure we get it in the arms of as many pros as possible through events, our research letter. Uh, And then we also sponsor research and support awards for grad students and other uh, uh, pros in the industry so we can build up research as well. Oh, and my background, I guess I'd say my background. So my background, I've always been very passionate about research. I, uh, my PhD is in public relations and uh, uh, my outside cognate was in uh, educational psychology and enrollment management. So I took a bunch of stats classes, uh, which I love. (laughs) It just sounds funny coming out of my mouth. And uh, uh, with that, I was a professor and also a research analyst for a long time. So my heart's always been in research, but I feel like this, this position with IPR is a really good fit for my skills and passion and uh, everything. So, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you for sharing. I know research is so important to how we devise strategy in our industry and how we connect with audiences. You talked about this a little bit last fall at the PRSSA International Conference, so glad to have you back and we can dive right in. I know last year, you IPR released the Mind the Gap study. 
Uh, could you describe what this research was about and how it impacts the industry? Sure. So this is a uh, this is a really fun project to work on. We're about to launch the second phase of the results. This was uh, one of my uh, very good friends, Chris Montero, who was the CCO at uh, KPMG and prior to that MasterCard, introduced me to two of his colleagues at KPMG, uh, Rebecca Rickert, who is now at Prudential, and Megan Dubrowski, who is still at KPMG, and uh, wanted to do something about, uh, they were very passionate about women and leadership in the industry. So um, these two amazing brilliant women who are now both my very good friends. We embarked on this research study uh, where we did a series of focus groups with 60 individuals, both men and women, senior level, mid-level. And then we also completed a survey with 860 PR professionals asking them questions about leadership in the industry. And even though we are looking specifically at differences in terms of uh, uh, gender between men and women, um, it's also a very good uh, overview in terms of leadership in the industry. So for example, what we found out, uh, there's just these common misperceptions that we have in, in just society that, you know, one of the reasons why women make less money is because uh, they don't ask, they don't negotiate or ask for a raise. And we found that was absolutely not true. In fact, uh, we had 58% um, of our uh, female respondents had asked for a pay increase compared to 45% of men. And we saw that over and over that women were very actively managing their career, their profession, that they were taking on additional roles as were men. And the different steps that women take to advance a career aren't different than men. The different challenges with women being promoted to top leadership weren't different than men. It was lack of opportunity and culture. Uh, so those were surprising uh, findings, not unexpected. We did see differences in terms of bias, that uh, women definitely experienced more bias in the workplace. 25% of our respondents had seen bias based on gender always or often in their workplace. And um, one, one uh, big note of concern was, we asked this on a five-point scale, um, five being strongly agree, is that uh, uh, respondents weren't very confident in their companies diversity and efforts and how well they took them seriously. So that's definitely something we have to work on as well as other areas we identified that were concerned was just equity in opportunities with even benefits that you give. Some people gave maternity, and most people gave maternity, but then some people didn't give paternity benefits. And that's, so there's definitely inequity there uh, that, that is a very easy fix. And pay gap as well is a, is a very easy fix. But that was our study, and KPMG and my, my two co-authors were uh, are just absolutely amazing, and, and we're, we're just, uh, I'm very proud of this work, and hopefully it'll be out in the next couple months. It's I'm all, mostly written, so there you go. Yeah, I remember reading through it, and remember this one fact that, and it's no surprise either, that majority of our industry is made up of women, like 75, 80% are women practitioners, yet less than 20% are in the C-suite. And it's kind of staggering as an aspiring leader myself. But speaking of key themes, equity, pay gap, um, I also remembered reading how important mentorship was to aspiring leaders and getting more women into these roles. So could you chat a little more about why aspiring leaders need mentors? 
Yeah, and just to, I just want to uh, point out something you said because you had talked about the 75% of women. And what's, what's interesting about that stat is that we're currently working with the LeGrand Foundation doing a census of the industry to see where we are in terms of those numbers to give updated stats because anecdotally you'll hear people say, oh, well, this firm just added so-and-so as the president, therefore it's getting better, but that's not research-driven. So we're trying to come up with overall numbers to know exactly where we are, both in corporate and agency and where we need to be. So in terms of mentorship uh, and sponsorship, we, we did, uh, there's some really great resources out there talking about the importance of mentorship and sponsorship in the workplace. One of my favorite research reports is by uh, BCG, the Boston Consulting Group, looking at the fixing the flawed approach to diversity. And um, there's another great book out there called Athena Rising, Why Men Should Mentor Women. And all these, all these studies and research point out that mentorship is so critical. And mentorship isn't just, let's meet for coffee and talk about your career. Mentorship is really someone, someone really helping you through the process and being a role model and someone you can turn to. And even more to that is sponsorship. And sponsorship is where you're taking an active presence in someone's career and saying, here's how I'm going to help move you through. Here's how I'm going to help move you through the ladder. And I'm going to think about you. And those tough conversations that happen when you're not in rooms. I'm always thinking of you, Ashley. And I'm always, I'm always available and wanting to talk to you about your career and how we can build you up and make sure that you're where you need to be um, and making sure that you're doing the right things for your success. Like those sort of um, it's, it's absolutely critical. And when we ask people questions in the quantitative portion, uh, we ask them what mentors help do. And many of them said they, they helped to give, get like helped with pay increases or job promotions, or even just guidance on your next opportunity. And what was shocking that anecdotally in the focus groups from the first phase of the report is that people said that they may not have had mentors, but in the quantitative survey, one in five of respondents said they had never had a mentor or a sponsor, which is pretty significant considering how important they are um, to helping us grow as individuals. So it's, it can't be, it can't be overemphasized. Yeah. And for all of our listeners who are PRSSA members, remember you've got access to tons of resources from the Aspire program to Champions for PRSSA to the new Proud Mini Internship program with built-in mentoring. There's tons of ways to find a mentor and get paired, so I'll make sure to link those opportunities with this podcast. But Tina, what I think we're finding seems to be a problem with mentoring is defining what this relationship actually looks like, at least for students. Like, how often are we supposed to communicate with our mentors? What are we communicating? What does this relationship look like? How do we optimize it for the professional, too? Um, do you want to take a stab at defining what an informal mentorship looks like? Yeah, you know, I think there's all sorts of different ways you can do it. And I I, uh, I was trying to think of if I've ever participated. <laughs> I think the times that I participated in a formal mentorship program, uh, which was association starting off in my career, and also when I was asked to be a mentor, it just never came through. Because it's a lot of coordination, a lot of organization, and it starts off, people have really great intentions, and then it just sort of fizzles and doesn't go anywhere. Um, mine has definitely been more informal that have been successful where someone, and then there, there's different types. There's also like a, not, um, superior subordinate, but somebody who may not necessarily be in your peer group, 
but the also informal mentors are also people in your peer group. I mean, aside from even just mentors, even having this like a core peer group that you can turn to and someone you can always ask for advice is really critically important um, to careers. I can think of a, a number of people that I could easily call and um, and ask for advice. And that, but that's not something you know that happens overnight. I think for students and people starting out, it could be you know, one of your professors that you really like, or maybe it's a, a person at your internship that you're really drawn to. Um, but it's just something that seems very natural. And it doesn't have to be like the CEO of a company. It could be someone just, right? It could be like your, your immediate supervisor at an internship. That, that would be a, a great mentor. But it's also, it's also finding that balance of where you're reaching out to them and asking advice, but also being very grateful and understanding the time that they're providing, right? That just being grateful for that. I've had some bad mentor mentee experiences. Um, that's why I just said being grateful for the time. So I had a really bad one where I was helping somebody and I had connected them with somebody uh, and moving forward and that person wasn't moving fast enough. So this mentee sent this really terrible email to like my connection. And I was just, God, I was like, oh my God, I just can't even believe this is happening. Um, so it's, it's also being a very grateful mentee at the same time and, and thinking about that these are really long-term relationships that you're building. Oof, yeah. I think that's a really great reminder for us all, students or not, that we really need to respect each other's time just because we're always on the move, on the go, especially in PR. So we need to approach the relationships with humility and be grateful for the opportunity to connect with someone on this personal and professional level. It's really a special opportunity. So you want to make sure we don't take advantage of that in a negative way. Um, so you kind of touched on this a little bit leading into the next question, but could you describe a time where a mentor has impacted your leadership path? Yeah, you know, I can think of a lot of cases. I, I, I will say that uh, during my master's program, uh, my major professor, uh, Dr. Don Wright, who's now at Boston University, was a huge influence on pushing me on where to go to get my PhD. And that sort of changed, that changed my career path. Um, and uh, even my, my position on the IPR board was a lot of encouragement from uh, Dr. Wright as well. And then I think that uh, I just think about um, individuals who I can turn to and ones who are like always actively thinking of me or, you know, reaching out and saying, you know, how's it going? How's things with your career? And then I do have like a very, I have a couple people in my network that I can just call at any time. And why that's important is if I have a decision to make and maybe it's a very sometimes things aren't just cut and dry and you can make, a, it's a very big decision and you just want someone to listen, but also someone who's very honest with you and having that, that person to me is also critically important. And uh, one of those individuals besides um, like Dr. DeStasso is one of my very good friends. Who's, uh, who's the chair at, uh, I can always call her and ask advice, but I will also shout out to uh, Brett Ludwig, who's at WL Gordon Associates, who was my, he's the CCO there. But he was, um, he was my boss, even though he was a week older than me, he was my boss during my internship at uh, Allstate. And he's been 
uh, just such a great um, person to listen to me ever since. And I would consider him uh, a mentor, even though he's more of my peer mentor. So yeah. I think that just goes to show like even though our industry is so large and it's still growing how small of a community or network of professionals it actually is i think it's crazy how you've worked with some of the same professionals and met up with them at different stopping points on your leadership path these i see people that i've known for 25 years and you just run into them and maybe you haven't seen them but they it's actually, even though we have thousands of people in the profession, it's also a small profession at the same time. feels that way. Now, taking it back to the Mind the Gap study, could you discuss what some of the call to actions were? Like, what were some of the concluding themes that students or aspiring leaders in the industry should look forward to implementing today? Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of things people can do right now, and that's taking a look inside. Like any organization can take a look right now, putting people in bands of their different job responsibilities and making sure there is equity. It's also looking at your organization policies to make sure there is consistency across the organization. What we found in our research is that um, some people had sort of a flexible work schedule, other people did not, and it's not because of the organizational policy. It was inconsistency among the managers of enforcing. So if you work for manager X, you may have more flexible. If you work for manager Y, that doesn't happen. And flexibility in the workspace is so critical. And I know more organizations are doing where you can work from home two days and then you need to be in the office three days, especially as in a lot of big cities, commutes are getting longer. You know, just having that that ability to not have to commute, um, even in some cases like an hour and a half each way, is just uh, it helps people mentally. Uh, there's other other um, there's other findings. Our profession is really awful at work life fit, just terrible. The amount of stress people have day to day. Um, uh, the the number of people in our survey who said they're expected to um, work on vacation or check emails or work after hours is, is quite a bit. And I think being more respectful of that as an industry and thinking about that people do need time to recharge and, and uh, um, think about things and, and recharge their brain, it makes them more productive. Um, that's one, one area that needs help. And also people just taking charge of their careers and, and really thinking about um, uh, what they can do to improve their careers. We found in our research that it's not a lack of skills. It's not that we need to start offering women in leadership classes. That's not the issue. It's making sure people have that opportunity and it's the culture of the organization is so critical. It's not, and, and you know, one of my pet peeves, it's not necessarily a call to action or research is that there's all these like women in leadership programs, right? But when we did self-assessment of skills, women didn't score any differently than men in terms of their, their, their skills and abilities. So we're doing these leadership programs as if there's some deficiency on the part of women in our industry to make sure that, right? But we're not doing it all across the board. So it's sort of going that we have uh, some issues. So I think of thinking that, thinking about careers is, is your own career and taking charge of careers. Now, speaking of skills training and leadership development, what are three things that young women or any aspiring leader should implement today? 
Three things. Um, one, I would say attitude is everything. Like really having a good attitude is so critical to success because as I, even my employees, they get tired of me saying this, uh, but, but the reason why I hire them is because of attitude. I can train you how to write a news release. I can train you how to do what a good video should be, but I can't trade you or train you to have a good attitude. And having a, like an, a positive attitude makes you somebody that people want to work with and get ahead, right? It, it just makes all the difference in the world. Um, I would say another is to be an expert at everything. <laughs> it's that terrible. And here's, here's why. Um, part of, I think this is a lot of, a lot of what I do, I do a lot of dinners, uh, lunches, coffees, cocktails. It's a great job. Where else can you do that through a job? But I would say a lot of my, um, a lot of my transactions, partnerships happen over those moments. And they're not necessarily moments where uh, we're talking about work stuff. It's really about getting to know individuals. So I, I'm very active outdoors. I do a lot of sports. I listen to all sorts of music. I read a ton of books and I watch TV. I, I, mean, I have kids. Uh, too. <laughs> and that's, I mean, all these things sort of bring together like conversation pieces, but I can talk about all sorts of different, different things with people. And I think that's, that is such a critical skill to have. So if somebody says, well, I don't have time to, I only have time to work. You also need to be a very well-rounded person and know a lot about a lot. Um, I would say that. I would say, let me see the third thing. Um, I would say practice your leadership skills now. So be a good listener, uh, use leadership opportunities and be a really good group member or team member. And it starts in the class, for the PRSSA, it starts in the classroom. So as someone who also teaches in a university, I mean, group work is what you do, like committee work, group work. It's, you don't get away from it when you get out of college. And with that, it's being, a not only just like contributing and being honest about your contributions and your ability to contribute but it's also if you are a leader that you're not doing everything and then you're bitter because other people aren't doing what they're supposed to so it's finding that balance and making sure all voices are being heard so those sort of leadership uh, qualities and it takes a lot of practice it's not easy I me mean, still want to like just you know, strangle people sometimes, but it's it's also part of the experience and learning and group work and team. Uh, that's really important. And it's just like so, yeah. Attitude, learning, and and being like a good a good steward of others, I guess. I believe the phrase goes delegate or die. Delegation is definitely key to any great team atmosphere and increased productivity. So thank you for those three nuggets of information. And that brings us to the end of our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tina. I'm really excited to help share this episode with everyone. Do you want to share where students can connect with you? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So um, people are more than welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter at T. McCorkendale. Uh, that's a good place. And uh, the Institute for Public Relations website is instituteforpr.org. And people should sign up for our research letter that comes out every week, every Wednesday to stay on top of what's happening in 
the industry. Um, and yes, and just keep keep fighting the good fight. That's my other thing I would say for everybody. <laughs> keep fighting the good fight. Thank you so much again, Tina. And that officially concludes this episode of PR with the Pros podcast. Thank you so much for joining and stay tuned for more to come. Thank you.